What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Bad Christian Podcast. We'll get right into it. I'll just remind you, check out Emory Land. Check out the Break It Down Podcast, uh, which is transitioning to being the Emory Land Podcast. We're focusing on Emory over there. Emory's got tour dates. I'm not going to say the word Emory anymore, except for a few more Emory times. Emory, 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 emorymusic.com. And uh, yeah, you can see our tour dates with Hawthorne Heights in Texas and California and join Emory Land, get our new EP. And by the way, we've got a new EP coming out in about a month. So there'll be two EPs that people in Emoryland have. Emory, 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 Emory. Also, today's show is sponsored by Quip. Quip electric toothbrushes start at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash badchristian, you can get your first refill pack for free. Let's do it. Oh, hell yeah, God showed up. I don't give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extrovert. No, girl, it's my flesh. I showed my dad my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that. All right, I want to start this podcast off a little different. Joey, out of nowhere, sing a song from the years 1995 to the year 2000. Just sing one and let's start this podcast. Go. Every once in a while, I think I'm dying. <laughs> Come on. That's take not- it to the bank. And I believe every word I say. This just that, isn't that- how. But this then the again, bad, this is the Bad Christian Podcast, and this is a this is getting kind of scary now. I said between 1995 and 2000, and Joey oh, yeah. has Joey has no clue, no clue about decades or anything anymore. It's just getting it is getting sad. I thought you like, were looking it, for like late 90s R and B TLC or something, you know? No, I wanted that's to do hard, something. I, I wanted some indie. I wanted some indie early tooth and nail thing. I thought he was going to come out with something punk or something, and he went with. Something just went from with 2005. Emory. He I only sure remembers Emory records at this point. Well, I could have gone with MXPX. That's right. I could have gone with Teenage Politics. I can sing a lot of those songs. Sorry. Sorry well, I failed It's you. about time for a party at my house. Is that in the 90s? <laughs> I don't know if it is, but I love that song. Anyway, Bad Christian Podcast, thank you all for being here. How you fellas doing? I'm doing really good. I want to catch up the people in the in the broad public to a couple of things that have been going on in the Daily Dose. We've been having a terrific time doing the Daily Dose. Yeah. Oh, it's a podcast we do terrific. every single day other than Wednesday, which is today. Um, I'm thrilled doing podcasting the way we do now because it feels so light and real and live and every day. Like today's Wednesday. This episode comes out today. I mean, that's just, the, you know, it's been, it's been fun keeping them in real time. But we've been doing a workout challenge that we put together. I don't remember if we talked mm-hmm. about it on the main podcast or not, but a bunch of people in the club, a subgroup of them, maybe about 100 people are doing a 69-day workout challenge that, that we're doing. Um, Health that's challenge. That's really fun. So if you're not in that, if you're not in the BC club, you can join it. And if you're in the BC club and want to join the BC 69 challenge, then you can do that. Um, so we've been, what are we doing? 45 minutes of exercise. We're doing no el- alcohol. We're doing a gallon of water. We're reading a book for 10 minutes a day, and we're doing this for 65 days. And we're stay, staying on a, on strict diet, so if you're choosing. And we're yeah. doing that for 69 choosing. days. And it's been a blast. Yeah. And, and you have to become a Christian. Oh, anyway, yeah. Anyway, yeah. this, <laughs> thing's, go- this <laughs> thing's going really good. 
<laughs> Matt, I actually am, I'm actually surprised you didn't include on the daily dose that you you made a defense for Jesus Christ. I was going to say I was going to try to roll faith. all this in together. I, 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 was, I wanted to talk about some of that too. We have a uh, Gunger coming on the podcast in a little bit. I thought it might be neat to do somewhat of a spiritual assessment. Um, which we kind of got into a little bit on the daily dose in the last few days. Toby missed one of them, and so I thought it might be interesting to try to consolidate some of the things we've been talking about on the daily dose here, and then Gunger will be here in a little bit, and we'll mm, kind of catch like up it. with him and see what he and his community have been, you know, how they've evolved a little bit. I feel like, thing. I mean, if you really just think about it, how much has shit changed <laughs> in the time we've been doing this podcast, it's blowing my, my mind. I don't Dude, even know I actually what remember, we're doing. I, I don't know what anybody's doing anymore. I actually remember talking to Michael Gunger for the first time. I remember where Toby and I were recording in Charleston, and I remember us asking him, so, I mean, you still believe in Jesus, right? Like, almost in a, I mean, you're still one of us, right? And I, I remember he was a little slow to answer, but he's like, yeah, I... I I still love Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about I want to think about it from a few points of view. One being just the uh, in the national scope, you couldn't imagine that where we're at today could be in you know 5 oh, years ago. And we've done 500 right. episodes of this podcast almost and it well, <laughs> we've changed a ton. Yes, I get that. Right. But also the landscape is so different and there, I I mean the 2016 election is probably right in the middle now, so that's like a hinge point for a lot of people. Um, and things are crazy then, and just the state of Christianity itself still is—it's uh, kind of unfathomable. If you saw what Jerry Falwell said about Russell Moore, did y'all see that? No, what no, did he say? I didn't. Just look up that tweet if you would. I'll keep talking here for saying I don't want to botch it, but I didn't pull it up. I should have. But I mean, the, we're—you know—we there's. Uh, was it Jerry Falwell Jr. or Franklin Graham? Are, are they different or are they the same person? I'm, I'm confused at this point. <laughs> Jer- Jerry is Franklin's nickname. Huh? <laughs> Jerry Falwell is Franklin Graham's nickname. So, yeah, you're right. Same person. Go ahead. No, uh, no, I'm just saying. I don't even remember which one it is now that I'm saying it out loud. If it was Franklin Graham or Jerry Falwell Jr., but aren't they, I mean, it's <laughs> just some type of Christian clown that we have now that you wouldn't have seen coming exactly to the degree that they are. But do you know who Russell Moore is? People know who Russell don't. Moore is, right? Well, he's just like a Southern Baptist convention guy, and he's just really, I mean, he's one of the only Christians I really kind of respect from the, the conservative, like, calm, traditional view. He's just a real, he's a real guy. He talks about justice, and he's in the Southern Baptist convention and all this stuff. He's he's a really, really prominent person. You don't know Russell Moore? I don't uh, really know, no, but I, well. I have the tweet for you. Wait, okay. is he head of the Southern, you said Southern Baptist Convention? He's part of the Southern Baptist right. Convention, but Something he's like the, the one of the highest level type, you know, <laughs> guys out there. And, yeah. But, I'm uh, LOLing at found, this tweet. Yeah, yeah oh I found gosh. it. Yeah, this is astonishing that this, Russell Moore's one of the These most respected. These people are still calm, left. Like, like the guy yeah. that's like a moral guy. Like he opposes Trump sometimes yeah. because he says the women stuff and the treatment of women is not Christian. This is not right. Now he's super conservative, moral guy that I respect. That's who Russell Moore People is. like Jerry but, Falwell are still lingering on this well, let, earth. And let's read the tweet. So <laughs> Russell Moore tweeted, uh, Russell Moore tweeted, the reports of the conditions for migrant children at the border should shock all of our consciences. Uh, the, those created in the image of God should be treated with dignity and compassion, especially those seeking refuge from violence back home. We can do better than this. He's just saying, listen, the we migrant can, children, yeah. we can at least we can the migrant disagree children be, about many things yeah. and all agree on that I understand, that one. but let's just take care, <laughs> if they're here, if they're, sitting, if they're there, let's just try and take care of the children. He didn't blame anybody or <laughs> accuse anybody. He's no, just like, I, I see those children. He just said, we can I do better than this. better could be done than, th- I think. I, 
better yeah. could and should be done. Not bl- not naming names or blaming anybody, but maybe yeah. we could all agree to do a little better with and, that. And and the let's hero just, just and the increase. hero Jerry Falwell. Hold on, the hero Jerry Falwell swoops in and says, "Who are you, Russell Moore? Have you ever made a payroll? Have you ever <laughs> built an organization of any type from scratch?" What gives you authority to speak on any issue? I'm being serious. You're, you're nothing but an employee of a bureaucrat. I mean, just, I mean, just it, it set Jerry Falwell off. I mean, That's these are the more right-wing Christian conservatives, these two men. So if you I don't know so if you if if you want to speak on an issue, you better have damn well started an organization from scratch, and you better have. Well, payroll. that's neither here nor there, but just the ability, <laughs> just the notion that two right wing Christian moral leader type people that you could speak to each other like that, that amount of division in that sect of that narrow of a focus is just. It's mind blowing. It's just mind blowing. But 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 that tweet. It, this is a pointless. It's just a dumb tweet. Like why? Like with with especially with how you guys laid out the original tweet by Moore. Why would you heckle anyone for just saying ah things could probably be a good bit better for these children? I, I mean, this I imagine guy's saying, that he don't even feels speak that on way. It. I mean, he's probably incensed and with anger because Russell Moore is opposing Trump or something. I don't know. I don't know how that stuff works, but I mean, I believe him to be sincere that he feels (laughs) that way about Russell Moore and he's showing it. I can't believe that. Like, that's just insane. Like that's a calculation. I don't know. I really don't. I just don't know. I'm kind of lost on all that stuff, but I mean, those are like, again, the right wing Christian conservative, Men, I used to read Russell Moore's blog not that long ago in very seriousness to look and say, what you know, for spiritual guidance and things like that. I, I mean, regardless, it's is there any putting that back together? Is what I'm saying. I just, I just, I don't understand how this is an adult on Twitter. Like, I seriously, at this point, I'm like, don't you guys get it? There's no ironing things out on Twitter. Like there's just there's just not like I I really I really don't understand a, a tweet like this and and the fact that so many people respect Jerry Falwell I mean it like, probably he's works saying what stuff he's like doing this. it probably I mean if you look at children it's the same thing and I believe everybody's behaving very juvenile at this point I mean it's just the world's I mean everybody's gone back to playground rules of of everything but the if you look at children. They only they copy every behavior. They try every behavior, and they keep the ones that work. And that's how you become a person. That's how you get a personality. That's how you, that's what it is. You right. copy everything. You try everything. You do everything. You see something, you put it in your mouth. You do this. You try to be mean. You try to be nice. You try to do this, and whatever works, you continue. That's all it is. So for whatever fucking reason, this works for somebody for Falwell or whoever I don't I don't know but it, it, we've got we've created these weird environments and then bad behavior is w- very effective apparently and now multiply that times 300 million okay that's our country now but <laughs> well I mean and and when when this guy represents the church please run away from it like I I'm not even talking about let's try to keep the millennials engaged <laughs> like run if this if this is what church is Get away well, from the, it. The sad thing is it's not if. This is what the church is. These are oh, sure. prominent Christian yeah. speakers, uh, uh, you know, and they are trying to use their influence politically. They're trying to use their platform, which is based on God, 
to influence politics and even make people go, yeah, the border isn't that bad. I'm not there, but yeah, you know, those, those children aren't from here and all this. I mean, if you, I don't understand the idea of no matter what, if there are children somewhere, it, we just do what you, you just, some of the rules have to be broken. Whatever you think is, yes. is it, you have to make some concessions and help people. The, the, it sounds like that the, at the border, a lot of them are not overcrowded if you benefit from not but, doing it. Yes. Well, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. The only, the only reason you wouldn't is if you're trying to, uh, promote and your agenda and make your platform bigger. But what about, uh, no, that, yeah. but Obama though. They had I mean, it then. This, well, so it, well, now that's really that gets actually easier now because you can say Donald Trump is the, like the worst person ever. Uh, he's doing horrible things. Uh, Obama also. Those people are bad. Right. They are the bad people. The politicians are bad. It benefits them the way they do things, and that's what they do. I'm right. not saying they're necessarily total monsters. Maybe if they had to like look at children in the face themselves, they'd cave from whatever is politically expedient to them and do something different, but they're insulated sufficiently. So, yeah, you got to crack a few eggs to make omelet, whatever, but that describes all of politics and Trump's worse than usual, do you, do but you, that's the, just describes it. That's it. Do you think early on in our country, there were men that set out to be president because they really and truly cared like, like Abe Lincoln, George. I mean, seriously, I like it, that's in an interesting thought. Almost period. No, I'm not saying so complete no. pure motives. I, I don't, I don't think any of them said I'm, I don't think any of them were in it for the complete right reasons, but I have to think before things, I mean, there had to have been a point where politics were more functional. More, yeah, as oh, for they, sure. For sure. Like, like just, we're going to vote this person in because he really does care and we believe in his perspective. Yeah, now, it was probably it's just like, I don't know to who to listen to, who's right. Well, I mean, political debates are a joke to me because everybody's apparently lying. I mean, because one person says that's not true. The other person says, no, you're not. I mean, it's yep. just it's just insane. Well, the, the it gets this way over time. I mean, I, it, I I even think a lot of politicians today may be well-intentioned, but they're also self-deceived to a high degree. So I'm not really one to point fingers at individuals other than occasionally a Trump or Falwell or somebody. like I, I mean, it can get pretty yeah. scary um, with those type of people in charge, in my opinion. But it's, it, it's more – it's not I, – I don't, I don't think it's a pure thing where they're trying to just do bad or there's people that are purely trying to do good. I don't, I don't believe that really at all. But before we do that, uh, we got a quick sponsor spot. All right, vacations are coming and everybody's got to pack those toiletries. Everybody can relate to that lotion exploding in your bag, making a big mess. But Quip Electruth toothbrushes work just as well at home as they do on the go because of just how convenient they are to travel with. Their compact wireless design tucks easily in the corner of your carry-on or even in your back pocket if you're just spending one night. The travel-ready cover protects your brush from sandy swimsuits and there's a three-month battery life that's going to last you the whole time that you're gone and uh quip toothbrushes if you're if you're not aware of why these toothbrushes are so special there's these sensitive sonic vibrations for an effective clean that's gentle on your sensitive gums but my favorite part is that these vibrations they they've got a two minute timer pulse that goes off every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides and help you clean your whole mouth. You know why they do this? Because 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or don't clean 
evenly. So these brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just $5. And this is a friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh, stay committed to your oral health. And this is because 75% of us use old worn out bristles that are ineffective. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. I love Quip because it really does force me to buckle down and brush all of my teeth because I'm always in a hurry. But if I'm obedient to those little pulse timers, I go 30 seconds on every side of my teeth up and down. And I'm taking my Quip toothbrush to Asheville, North Carolina while I'm traveling this summer for vacation. So Quip starts at just $25. And if you get uh, if you go to getquip.com, that's getquip.com slash badchristian right now, you get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack of getquip.com slash badchristian. Go get it. Okay, so what I'm trying to, what the connection I see here is that it's not that it's an individual that's bad, and it's not necessarily that it's a party that's bad. It's just the aggregate of human behavior when it divides and splits and has self-interest. It, 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 things get off, and it's not – I don't blame anybody. It could all be good intent and still wind up really bad, and I do think that's the state of the church kind of in general. And so that's what I've been talking about a little bit on the Daily Dose. I think it's probably – safe for me to say at this time, and I want you guys to go through it too. I don't think Toby was there for that conversation. Yeah. That is why I feel pretty comfortable with the terminology, even uh, in an official capacity now, and I'll try to define it, with post-Christian. I feel like I am a post-Christian, and that by far is the best way to describe my feeling. Um, and, and again, post-Christian doesn't mean against or no longer Christian. I still consider myself a Christian after really thinking about it. I really do consider myself a Christian who believes in Jesus to some to that to whatever degree you know I don't want to define that way beyond that but I do feel that way and I also feel like there is no such thing as a denomination or a church or movement or anything that is uh, or, or or maybe even the sect of Christianity at all that is a good one. You know, I think they've I think that almost everything is is extremely limited and and. You know, any one thing you pick to be a member of or try to be a part of is gonna is just not good. Uh, enough. Excuse me, have you ever been to a non-denom? Well, thank you. I mean, and I, I mean that because I mean, I think I, <laughs> what I'm saying is, I think there's other things in other religions that are really good. I think Christianity itself has morphed and has lost some of its way. And then, in any particular expression of Christianity, I, I find any particular one without naming names or saying anyone's good or bad or making a scale, I find them all very lacking. I find them all to be somewhere along the lines of, you know, I wouldn't say invalid because I think they're valid for many people in many ways, but I feel that uh, there's something above that where you can kind of look at all of it and say, this is well-intentioned people. There's a lot of truth here. Jesus is still central. Jesus still his intent and what he would do is still the most fascinating thing. And then every, almost every single thing that is an organization at this point is pretty far off, all of them. So I don't believe in trying to find the best one anymore. And that to me is defining post-Christian. I also would use the language that I've graduated from church. And I know that may sound arrogant and I struggle with that, but that's what it feels like to me. So I'd have to weigh in officially on that. And I'm curious if, if you guys would respond similarly or not. 
I feel the same way about the politics is what I'm saying. It's not like Republicans or Democrats, right, or Libertarians, right? These are all self-interested kind of fucked up things now. They're kind of all beyond, uh, you know, what they should be. Joey, how yeah. would you how would you answer that question? All right, would I don't I don't think you would use the term post Christian, would you? I mean, I when mean, Matt when Matt talks, I definitely resonate with that. But I, I have I have no problem with saying I'm a part of evangelical church, so I'm an evangelical Christian. I, I right. just you could be that I, in know, a post Christian. I imagine to some degree your yeah. your position's bizarre I, overall. I mean, he, here's 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 what I would say is in, until the church starts letting go of certainty and really being serious about letting go of it and and just back off on all the dogma, back off on the things that we've been told, oh, for just the last 200 years, maybe 150, is just definitely true, and here's how you you know read the Bible, and here's how you believe, and here's how you believe in the afterlife, then I, I really, really don't think there's ever going to be a time where the church picks up steam, you know, kind of like the, mm-hmm. uh, what, what do you call the 1970s, the Jesus people, the Jesus movement, you know, it yeah. seemed like a, yeah. a pretty significant movement. But here's, here's kind of a distinction that I've made in my head is I don't think we can be um, in, in the, I'll say, in the business of doing God's work. Like, I think that we, we talk about it all the time, we think about it, and that means, like, really figuring out Scripture and really figuring out meaning and really figuring out, you know, about gay people or really figuring out the Trinity mm-hmm. or, you know, figuring out... That's God stuff. I think what we... The only thing that we can do is focus on, like, the business of Jesus, which was very simple. It was serve your fellow man, love other people, and listen to this dude and and stay close within his teachings. Like, we, I, I mean, I have totally surrendered my ability to really figure out what God is doing, what the meaning of life is, what we're all here for. But you know what? Jesus who came and, and kind of said, here's, let me set the record straight. Here's what life's about. I can actually read that and mm-hmm. follow that. And you know, learn from you guys, learn from people that I'm in church with and all that stuff. But I've just, I've, I mean, (laughs) I've even thought about how, you know, everybody is God's kingdom this and God's kingdom that. And I do believe that Jesus brought about a new kingdom. I just don't think that I can make a huge dent in it at all. Like, you know, sure, there's little personal relationships that I can have within my family or friends that, um, you know, is a tiny little drop in the bucket, but I have zero ambitions to make a big old dent in God's kingdom. Like that's just, that's just not, that's not my territory. Well, when you think of all the different things, like, you know, the Catholics, they've got the problems they've got. The Southern Baptist Convention has got all this stuff coming out. Uh, every, you know, there's no one place that is, I would really recommend anybody like buy into their shit. There's none. Is what I'm saying to me. That is there, and that would go across pretty much everything and other religions. But they might all have something kind of valid, and most of it lies near Jesus and the organizational side of it. Uh, I don't think it's going back. I don't think we're going to have an emergent Christian thing that grows and maintains and is awesome. Yeah, I don't either. Like that's that's what I mean by I post. Like, the era has changed. Like you'll you'll not you, like. The whole thing's off the rails now, in a way. That doesn't mean the gospel doesn't still exist. I just think yeah. it's very individual and present and one-on-one and n- unseen is what I think the gospel I, is. I think we probably—it so. it sounds like to me we all agree. I am very post— uh, 
thinking that my tithe goes to a Sunday morning event. I'm very post the Great Commission uh, and uh, Christianity being about conversion. That's what I, I realized that in the last probably year, how much of my life was Christianity was conversion, which gives you something to do instead of work on your own self and your own shit. Your plank gets bigger and bigger in your eye. When you have, oh, I got to go save others. Got to get others to heaven. You don't you don't fix that shitty stuff inside of you. And that I mean, your attitude, your the way you live your life, the way you love others. And so I'm post all of that stuff. I I appreciate and You're always using post in the kind of a different way, though. Maybe, still, maybe like so. Well, I'm you're over it. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm saying. I'm just over it. Maybe I'm, but I'm, I'm not going to go back to that because that is unfruitful and damaging. And, uh, I, I, I don't think that anything good comes out of that. You're I'm, not hoping to I, fix that anymore. You, you let it, you're no. going to let it go. Is that what we're well, saying? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, first of all, it would be arrogant for me to go, you know what? I'm the right. person that can fix church. That feels yeah. really dumb. And, and I, I have been dumb and said stupid shit like that in the past. More what I think of is they're people, they're doing their thing and, if if they aren't hurting anybody, you you go to it. I don't see the the benefits like I used to. I know there are some benefits for sure. I just don't see that the same way as I used to. And I feel like there's time spent, resources spent, uh, spiritual, emotional health that uh, is growing inside of me outside of that the context of what Sunday morning is. The thing, the only reason I wouldn't like post Christian would be because I I'm think i i really do believe that the world needs a savior i think everybody has that doesn't that's need, fine. Need, that's need some a help. totally valid post-christian view yeah but i mean you can believe yeah. in salvation through jesus and heaven as from a post-christian yeah. view so it's more of so a more clarification thing. would be i think when you say post-christian though it means sunday morning church like what no what i'm telling you mean? the church whole thing the whole thing about christian sex catholicism don't go there yeah it's not for i mean Okay, it's not for me. So it's for, I think of it like uh, a public school. Public school, is it better to have it or not have it? Eh, it's good we have it, but it ain't good. Like right. if, you, if you're coming from the projects and, and you there's broken homes and nothing and, and poverty, God, the fact that you get to be in public school for seven hours a day is probably a great, great, great thing. But it's not good. Like, right. f- on the other hand, it's not adequate. It's not sufficient. It's not right. It's It needs to be criticized, changed. I mean, it's not... I don't know if it's fixable, but it's it's not great. But comparatively, it's good. I think churches that I think that the whole thing of Christendom is kind of that way in a way. It's just oh my gosh, it's been so useful for humans. It's been the way we've built our whole foundations of our Western society. It's useful as part of evolution. It's it's good. There is spiritual truth. We don't know what it is. This is the best vehicle to access right. it. We've had millions of approaches, but that the thing of having it all put into a denomination or a type of thing and it's, yeah. and this is where you go for the answers that's that's that, been eroded i mean i don't know that, well, that, that's, that i think we're post that as a, as a society so church and church communities will continue to serve many many people very well and be helpful and stable and safe places for them and they will get much good out of it but i've been really wor- i've been really me. thinking though church church is going to go away but then you're just going to see like a complete rival of starbucks it might like, be because <laughs> that, that, their big thing is their coffee and their you know the food that you get in front. So that yeah. that is what that will you got to have that to get people in. Yeah, you have to have the coffee. <laughs> you got to have the donuts or the breakfast item. And if that works, they already know how to defeat Starbucks. So church should get rid of whatever else happens after the coffee and the donuts. 
Focus on that. Get people in the door. <laughs> yes. But, I, but, but Matt, Matt, I'm saying say it's a lower level uh, of can, there's me, a higher level of spirituality beyond the things that we've constructed so far that we call churches. Is all I'm saying. There's a spirituality beyond that. It's beyond, not instead of, not throw it out, not don't yeah. appreciate it for what it has done for me personally. And I needed it. I needed it five years ago. I would have had no operating system. I wouldn't have been able well, to function. I, think, I mean, now, I, think now the, I, I see it different. What you say about denominations goes back as, as what I'm talking about as far as certainties. Like, I think that is when you start forming denominations and saying, well, we're right about this. They're wrong about that. Imagine if people just started letting go more and more of what they know and what they're convinced of and started being honest with the questions, but still gathered together to seek God, whether in house churches or whether in the, the current church buildings and all of that stuff. I really do think that mm-hmm. certainty is is the tough thing that people have got. It. The Bible doesn't give it to us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Which, 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 uh, if you had to take, if, if neither of those tweets a minute ago had a name on them, which one do you think Jesus would have tweeted? <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, so part of this is, uh, I had to admit, uh, part of what's pushed me forward is, and I would hate it to admit this uh, a few years ago, is the daggum Eastern type shit has infiltrated my mind and oh, it's making it is a little everywhere. bit of an impact. And I would have said that was fruity, woo-woo, dumb. <laughs> I'd be so embarrassing to say that kind of thing. And and it, But it has. It's part of it has shifted. It's like, oh, this whole other style of spirituality, <laughs> it does have some of this validity to it, and it has moved me in a way and changed my point of view um, without actually looking into it directly or anything like that. It's not like I've studied it, anything. But I absorbed some of it from people like Michael Gunger. I would like to talk to Michael about, I don't know, Eastern shit, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Michael, thanks for being back on the podcast. Was this make your third time or what? I think it's number three, yeah. yeah I'm speaking so. for Michael right now. Uh, I'll speak for Michael. Go ahead, Matt. You got another question? <laughs> Not, well, do we have any other three-time? What else do we have in the three-timer club? A Lunsford type or uh, Dan Coke? I yeah. don't know. Pretty good? Very right. good. I feel honored. <laughs> so, Michael, I've been listening to this podcast, which what you changed the name of it because I heard you say that it was because of uh, it's hard to Nobody search find this it. if yeah. by typing it in any it was search. Actually, not findable. <laughs> apparently, it just wouldn't show up. So, what did yeah. you change the name of it to? Loving this. Loving this. Okay, so I got in that um, when you first put the first episode out, and. You know, I had to. I had to say, I really have enjoyed the thought experiment nature of it, and this the radical deconstruction. I mean, it's you know, people talk about deconstruction in Christianity, but you're deconstructing, you know, reality and your five senses and shit like that. <laughs> but I find it yeah. compelling. Oh, thank you for listening. We're one of the few. How did you find it? It wasn't findable. <laughs> <laughs> How much work is doing a show like that? Uh, the first episodes were a lot of work. I've I've tried a, a few different types of doing it, di- different ways of doing it. A couple of, like conversations, and one morning I just woke up and pushed record and didn't even just talked into the microphone for a while and posted that one. I don't know. Some of them have been way produced. I'm I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with that podcast. It is kind of the experimental, uh, like the most out there experimental thing that I'm making right now. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you that it's more, you know, I I might represent other people or I might be an oddity, but to me, when you take something that seems carefully thought through and then maybe written and then brought alive by speaking, 
and not mm-hmm. sounding like you're reading what you're speaking, which I can't stand. But the opposite of that is to have organized, detailed thoughts and content and then transcend that and make it verbal and personal. And that, mm-hmm. once you cross that barrier, you really can get thoughts in people's heads in a way that I can't get out of reading text about Eastern religion, mm. for instance, is what mm. I'm saying. So yeah, yeah. I have no academic background in it. I've not read a book on Buddhism, I, none of that stuff. But you talk, talk deconstructing things down, talking about the dissolution of the ego and uh, what what everything really is. Is I find I find very effective. So I'm kind of curious. Mm. Um, do you think of it in a formal way, or do you study stuff, or or like? Uh, is this East? Am I right that this is just Eastern stuff? Like, I, again, I'm, it's all brand new to me. I've avoided it because it's a sin my whole life. And I still yeah, haven't even totally. read a book on it. I just heard you talk Matt about it. Matt has really studied this. Is this Eastern what stuff? What is this stuff? <laughs> well, here's. And is your name the, the, Vishnu Das now instead of Michael? What do you want me to call you? Yeah, yeah, are, we, are we offensive to call you for calling well, you not Michael? Not at all. Not at all. Vishnu Das is a name that Ram Das gave me that really, honestly, for a while was really helpful for me. Um, he gave it a couple of years before, uh, I guess it was, yeah, it was in January of 2017, he gave me that. And for like that year, it was a really kind of important year. Sometimes when you you have an experience, you, you see, you like have a, a new paradigm, you have a new way that you're living your life. Uh, it can feel like fragile. You know, I think of, you know, think about maybe like a baby Christian, that idea when somebody just becomes a Christian, you got to kind of be careful in those early days of mm-hmm. like, um, you know, maybe don't listen to all the secular music that you were listening to, or maybe don't hang around those old friends that you were listening to. You had these things that you, in yeah. Christianity, we would tell the baby Christians. I remember at our, our church, like, you know, eventually it's not that those things are bad necessarily, but you want to be careful. Um, and it was funny for me in this new way of being that I would call non-dual, um, which is, yes, a lot of Eastern religions talk about it, but you also have it, you have a lot of history within Christianity. You have different philosophers who have gone there with it. You have, I mean, just quantum physics goes there with it. Really. It's like, um, there's a way of being in the world that is based on thought and constructs that you, you understand things in like a, you stack them up so that you understand based on here's your meta story, um, and then you build on that and then you build on that and you build on that. And that's where most of us as human beings live mm-hmm. in this world where we just assume that I am an American straight man. And we forget that all those things are like stories that America is mm-hmm. a story that a, a man is a story that straight is a story that all fundamentally that the I, who am I? is a story. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we, do you think the self is an illusion? <sighs> yeah. It, it's a story. I'd say it's a story. So to think that it's real, to think that meaning that it's a direct objective reality that I am a Michael Gunger, <laughs> uh, you know, I go up to a stranger on the street. They don't see a Michael Gunger. They just see a guy. So who Michael Gunger is that whole experience There's too much story. There's so much story in that. So when I talk about non-dual stuff, what I'm talking about is there's, there's a way of 
experiencing the, the world where you're based in all these stories and you don't question those things, or there's more of a direct just being that, that you can experience that doesn't, um, that we all actually are experiencing whether we know it or not, we just kind of forget about it by getting lost in our stories. Mm-hmm. The direct experience of reality, the this, the um, the unfiltered, unclenched, unprocessed, uh, just beingness, presence, that context of awareness, of of uh, I amness that that we all experience, that we all. It's not, no, it's not that we all experience. That's what we use to experience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, it's, it's that which transcends that, which comes before experience that gets turned into story. So what the Eastern religions do is a lot of times, um, and, and they'll get lost in duality as well, but far more directly and effectively in religions like Hinduism and Buddhism and Taoism and stuff like that. They, they have felt the power of that direct experience, meaning of that non-dual where there doesn't, there's no separation between the observer and the observed. Like, it, is this a meditative state? Kind of like when people talk about meditation, they're talking about getting to a point where you're, you're no longer feeling like yourself and you feel more connected and you're just having experience itself and not thinking through your point of view of the guy right behind your eyes interpreting the world. That's the state in which you are feel non-dual. Yeah, it's a it's a letting go. What it feels like, I think all you can do is you can't really describe it. That's the funny thing. The Tao, the first thing it says in the Tao is like, if you can talk about it, it's not it. Like if the true Tao cannot be spoken of or understood, it's that which comes before understanding. So it's, um, but yes, that meditate, the reason people meditate in these traditions is to get into that place that is just pure presence, that is not pure presence, all cut okay. up in all of these, um, caught up in the suffering that comes from these stories, that comes in believing that and get, getting caught in, in a small sense of separation between the observer and the observed. And what's interesting is like, you even see that in science now, you see that, uh, that, how we observe a phenomenon, there is no objective observation of it. You can't, by observing it, the uncertainty principle shows us by observing it, it impacts it. Mm-hmm. The observer and the observer, go, the observer and the observed go together. You can't separate the two phenomenon. It's impossible. So the, that's what, and the mystics and the Eastern traditions have been talking about the whole time experientially, not with science. They finally science is caught up to that experience, but it's where you see that you can't see anything but your own self. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You can't see anything but your own mind. You can't see anything but the stories that are being filtered through that mind. And, and so getting into the place and it's, it's difficult to talk about, but that's why I'm trying this experimental podcast is, you can talk around it. I've mm-hmm. heard Ken Wilber talk about, you can kind of talk about it metaphorically. You can talk about it in ways that can lead people to see it for themselves as far as like inviting them into practice. Like, so the goal meditation. is not to, the goal is to not think from only your mind. Is that what you're saying? Like you said that we can only think from our mind. Is that, is that like the drive to get out of that? 
It's actually so the drive. Explain it perfectly with words, please. (laughs) 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 What's funny about the non, what I love about the non-dual experience is not only is it, it doesn't come with all the suffering that we bring into all of our needing to control the world with our thoughts and our words. Um, but it unites the world into this glorious, beautiful one thing. And it's not one as in there's not other, not there's no distinction between that body and this body. And not that there's any, not a distinction between having a milkshake or a glass of piss. There's distinction <laughs> that happens, yeah. Yeah. but there's a, a unity that makes the, the whole thing feel more like a symphony rather than a mess mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in the non-dual experience of all of this. There's, I, I believe that's where Jesus was coming from when he would say things like, um, you know, look out at the birds and look at the flowers of the fields and look, there's nothing to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to worry about. And when you talk about him and his father being one and when he would even saying things like, I am the way, the truth and life, no one comes to the father, but through me, I don't think he was setting up this universe as a way of like, he's this bad bouncer in the front of the God door. That's kind of the image that I had as a kid. Yeah. Like you don't get in the club. If you don't go through Jesus, he's the bouncer at the front. But if he's speaking, not as something separate from the club itself, if he's speaking as the club, if he's speaking as the whole thing, as the Christ, as the, the all, um, then no, you can't get anywhere. Where else would there be to go other than him in whom he and the father are one and who he invites us to be one with as well, the vine and the branches and all of it. I think all of the great teachers um, and mystics that it were hard to hear. And they would say you, most of you don't understand what I'm saying. They would say that directly. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, yeah, those people don't get what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, after, after my experience in 2016, I, I never quite came back to the Vishnu Das thing. I needed a little bit of time to remind myself that I'm not Michael Gunger. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like we have all this training for our lives from the time we're babies for people, my parents, all our friends, family, everybody's going, Michael, eat your vegetables. Oh, Michael, don't hit your brother. Michael, good boy. You did this, Michael. And it's being trained and trained and trained. At some point the baby goes, I'm Michael. Yeah. Not to mention all the stuff they tell you about yourself. Michael, you are this way. You know? Yeah. 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 And so there's this whole story. And for me, it also became my job and my band name and my mm-hmm. brand. And so Michael Gunger was a whole thing. When somebody would say Michael Gunger, it elicited feelings in my body. That you're a brand now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They weren't objective feelings. They were, they were like, they had all this weight. So somebody referring to me as Vishnu Das, which means servant of God, basically what it called me into was, the reality in which I'm grounded rather than just this story that I've been walking around for 38 years with that is Michael Gunger and building everything on. And so Mm -hmm. being this new name was like a, it was kind of a Harbor 
for a little while of being able to really settle into presence, really settle into um, being in this moment, not as all the ways that Michael Gunger needs this moment to be. Michael Gunger has all sorts of opinions and beliefs and perspectives about what should be happening right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of that, Michael Gunger suffers. But when I can be present and let go, and it's kind of a thy will be done sort of feeling. Um, There's just an opening of hands, an opening of heart, a not clenching down, but just being present to this moment, fully open and as this moment. And then when that happens, uh, that's the non-dual thing. That's the freedom thing. That's the born again thing that I think Jesus talked about. And um, Vishnu Das was a gift for a while. I don't feel like I need it at this point as much. To, I, I'm not as fragile in oscillating in my awareness as I was at first. So I, I am certainly not offended if you call me whatever you want to call me. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't need the name. But it definitely was a, a lovely gift that helped me um, during that time. I think that's a great way of describing it. And even going back to some of the stuff you're saying, it's interesting to me how uh, it, w- w- the more and more, like the, the way I felt like I was taught uh, about God and, and what religion was, was definitely we're right, everybody's wrong, be careful not to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then w- when stuff started feeling a little bit like you know when you read when you read something about Jesus that sounded not that way like wait a minute I'm supposed to be a servant or this you know talking about reality or the ego in in, in a sense uh, it it's interesting that the church really did like it, it was scared of that stuff a, a Jesus that is more loving or uh, about unity like you say and and uh, spiritual health, growth, searching the journey that that's really was scary. Like I was taught to be scared of that stuff. Like I, I promise you my papa, my grandma told me for sure. If I went to college, I was going to turn out like you. So Maybe they nailed it. They might've nailed it. You know, they didn't, they, uh, they didn't, you know, but it, it's funny because that was a scary thought. Wait a minute. What if you're pursuing uh, peace and, and uh, pure presence, like you said? Th- those things, th- those are scary in a way because mm-hmm. that means, wait a minute, I, I do, I am on a journey and this could be broader and I don't have just these bullet point answers anymore. And that's that's mm-hmm. been the, the biggest revelation even with my own life and my own faith is the bullet point answers now seem so small mm-hmm. and God seems so much bigger to me. You know, just the 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 idea of what God is, Jesus is, all of those thoughts for me personally uh, have gotten so much bigger, so that I don't have to conquer it and go. Now I know, and now you know, now I know, and I'm done with that part of my life. Now it really does feel like I love that part, and even what you're saying, like following your journey. We were just talking earlier about how, you know, the first time you came on here and and all the stuff that you've gone through is just amazing. Like it is a journey that you're on. Hmm. Yeah, there's a. It's a very easily misunderstandable path and journey that I've been on and often misunderstood. I mean, I just heard a woman this week that was saying she was so mad because she thought I was saying that she was a lousy, um, she used the C word, uh, wow. to then that she deserves suffering. And I was like, Cons- was it conservative? What, what was that? What I, was I do- <laughs> 
and what if I don't even know where she would have got that. I don't even know like me saying that somebody is a bad yeah. whatever that needs to be that should des- that deserves to suffer is so opposite of anything I'm saying. I don't even know how it got to that, but it, it's a, it's kind of, it really is the unthinkable thing. It's, and it's the, <laughs> the one unthinkable thing is who you really are. Cause then who's yeah. thinking it? That's yeah. the scariest um, th- thing to like that. All this is in the territory of what can we let go of and it be okay. And you don't, you know, people don't feel like, they don't know until they maybe try. Like you don't know if it's okay to let go of what everybody's yeah. told you you are. You, that's right. scary to let go of. It might it's be like okay. Spiritual it might hoarding not almost. be okay. Hmm. And I don't think I think you're right when you talk about baby Christians. There's people that if they just jump and say, "Oh, what, we don't need this stuff anymore," that they they might need it. They might. <sighs> yeah, I just was. I had a moment with Amelie this week. My daughter Amelie, where I was teaching her as her dad things that I'm totally negating in my, what I'm doing with spiritual teaching. Mm. I'm, I'm really trying to like hammer into her. You have a will and you need to rise up and tap into that Amelie power that, that can say no to like eating all the candy <laughs> in mm. the bowl right. and eating and you need to step. And that is a part of the journey that to, to have this sense of separateness, to have this sense of self-determination and self-empowerment and ego. It's all, that's important. Like you gotta, if you don't learn how to have regulation and self-control in your life, your rise can run out of control. I mean, you need, that's part of it. Mm -hmm. And then you get to a part of your life, hopefully, um, where you can graduate into seeing, oh, we've had all these rules up. It's like the law in the Bible or whatever, you know, like you had all these crazy laws that are ridiculous. Um, but it seemed like it, at a point that was a necessary thing. Yeah, you could see and the then, New Testament as a graduation of sorts, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's finally like, hey, okay, maybe we don't have to be so weird about the hooved right. animals or whatever. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. But um, the kid, you're talking about her willpower, and then to the adults, you're like, Any, by the way, they ain't no free will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, but you can't... What's funny is... Not funny, a lot of adults are actually still at the place where they need to be thinking about their willpower, mm-hmm. not their no free will. And that's what's yeah. hard about the message that I'm doing is like most people are actually at a place where they still need to learn how to eat their vegetables. Yeah, <laughs> right. How to like, how to be themselves and, and be empowered in the world. And um, a lot of people are feel, are unempowered. And, you- and a lot of these separate stories and even stories about God being angry and the separate Jesus, the bouncer Jesus, all these things happened for reasons. Like our beliefs and feelings of separation kept us safe and keep mm-hmm. us safe on some level yeah. in a world with lots of organisms that would love to eat us and lots of other people that would like to take all of our things. You know what I mean? Like we build up these walls around our borders and around our homes and around our beliefs and around our families. And and we do it because we're afraid a lot of times for a good reason. Um, But that doesn't mean they're real (laughs) or that they're helpful always. You know, Mm -hmm. you get to a point where it 
it gets ridiculous. And now we've built up a thousand foot wall and there's machine guns on top of it. And it's, and we're, we don't even see the sun anymore. We don't even see the sky anymore because we've just so closed ourselves in to these stories and feelings of separateness and theologies and you can't question it. And now we're locked in a prison rather than using some constructs to keep us safe. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I even know for, Oh, I'm sorry, Toby. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, a lot of what you're saying too, like sounds like some of the basics of what you're saying is, has been helpful for me with just my, uh, my fight with depression and anxiety and those sorts of things, like learning that if, if I am my brain and I'm a prisoner to my brain's thoughts and my brain's view of the world, then I, I'm screwed. Like if I can't, <sighs> if I can't get out of that and recognize, wait a second, my, my brain has been downloading a, a lot of bad information and ways of viewing the world for 41 years. Mm-hmm. If, if I can't, if I can't grapple with that and recognize that there are times when I have to, step out or, or, or maybe even figure out a, a lifestyle of stepping out of that and recognizing, mm-hmm. Hey, that ain't a good thing to listen to just cause it's, it's just cause it's my brain. And, and, it, and it's tricky too, because part of me says I am my brain also, you know, yeah. so it's, it's, it's tricky territory, but I mean, I, I really resonate. I mean, just, just, you know, I feel like this interview is just kind of dipping the toe a little bit, but I mean, I, I just, I just think there's, so, so many Christians are so knee-jerk reaction to anything that's outside of their box. And I really think there's no matter what, no matter what good truth with, with what you're doing, no matter, I mean, I just don't see how anybody can deny Not even Christians alone. I think everybody feels that yeah. way. Like it, it, like even in, uh, I mean, for the most part, everybody goes, wait, what a, I'm working a, a nine to five. I got bills to pay, student loan debt. The, the country seems like it hates each other, all this stuff. And I'm supposed to, you know, what am I supposed to do? Michael Gunger says, you know, mm. to pull, pull that, some of that away. How do you pull yeah. it away? I think a lot of people go, I'm doing mm. the best I can. How, yeah. how do I also spend time in personal growth or reflection about the greater stuff that I'd have no you know, idea of it. I think that that feels, once again, it just feels really scary. Don't you think? Yeah, it does feel scary. And that's, I think what, that's one of the things that's hard for me about the work that I'm doing right now is knowing that it's not for everybody to let go of all of it, to just tear down the entire fence is not, most people are not at that point where they need to do that or that it'd be healthy for them to do that. Yeah. What does that um, look like practically before you move? Like, what does it look like to tear it all down? So uh, the insinuation is that's, that's your drive. That's your goal. Correct. So what does that look like? It, no, that's what happened. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> and yeah, it yeah, happened yeah. because yeah. mostly out of suffering. I just, it fell apart. Like the whole me trying to keep my fences glued up for decades and running to this side and pasting, Oh, keep that up. Keep this belief going. Keep this, yeah. keep this structure in my life alive. Uh, and it finally just fell apart after, you know, the first time I talked to you guys was in that the craziest year of our lives. And now I look back on that as like the greatest grace, um, wow. that my life was falling apart, left me with what? With presence. Like that, that's, <laughs> I didn't have, um, the structures to stand on anymore 
to, to protect myself with anymore. And so all I was left with was this, this moment. And that was a grace. And it's not something, um, I'm not like, it's difficult for me to be on this side of, of the freedom that I experience and not go back to my evangelical patterns of thought and ways of like, needing to evangelize the world yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah let me yeah. get your take on that too. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt your question there, but finish what you're saying. And then I would love to hear your take on the phenomenon that seems just so obvious to to everybody, or it's going to, I think, I feel like it's got to be the most obvious thing in the world that you have religious thinking, evangelical thinking, and then people are escaping it because it is crumbling, but they just trade it for another form of evangelical. I've been calling it left evangelical. I mean, like mm. they just yeah, go find yeah. something else to have all the exact same behavior pattern. It's exactly. like you were almost free. It fell apart. Here was your moment to step out yeah. and let something go, and you just traded it for another seemingly identical thing with different, I don't know. Yeah. That's a great observation and, uh, something that I did for a long time, trading out story for story for story. It's like, we're using these stories as ways of protecting ourselves, of protecting what we have, of, of protecting who we think we are. It's really the ego. Yeah. Protecting Um, that mainly. The ego this is who I am and this is my authentic self. And this is what I need to be okay because I'm don't want to die. Really? I think that's very good. You really follow it all the way to the end. All, and that's what it is. It's the ego being like, I don't want to die. I need yeah. to be, I need to be safe. Um, so to be safe, I need to have money. I need to have friendships. People, my tribe needs to think that I belong. Um, you can trace all of this fear, I think, to that. And those that's the fear that we build these stories with. Um, and letting go to death, like Jesus said quite clearly. Um, and, you know, unless you become like the seed that falls to the ground and dies, you, you're not going to understand what I'm talking about. It, it really is a death and the life that comes in death. So, okay, um, so I heard on a podcast this week, uh, I was listening to a podcast, Eckhart Tolle was on it, and I've mm-hmm. never listened to a damn word he's ever said because he's <laughs> evil and he's on Oprah and he's all that. So I've never listened to a damn word that that crazy bad person had ever said until I heard him talk. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's good. <laughs> so I don't know <laughs> if you like him or know who he is or anything do, like that. Yeah. But, um, he he was going over a concept that I hadn't, that really clicked for me. I was like, yes, that sounds like to describe what I kind of understand. And he was saying that Jesus was talking to telling people to repent. And he argued even with the translation, the way that people translate that and original Greek and all this stuff. And he was saying that Jesus was saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand as in it's right here. Mm-hmm. This is it. Not as some other realms coming yeah. It's right now. And repent was way more like wake up. Yes. Uh, than, and, and it's here. And yes. so he also speaks a lot of unco- people acting in their unconscious. And I was like, oh, shit. Because I think about it's uh, – I'm just digesting the concept. But obviously when we're asleep, we're unconscious. So we just – whatever our thoughts are, they are. We don't control them. You have the dreams you have. That's just you. And so really – 
even in your daily life, when you're run by all these stories, as you would call them, um, you're kind of operating in an unconscious manner. And of course, you're having thoughts, but you're not really generating thoughts. You're just having them the same way you have uh, other mm. impulses and feelings. They they kind of self-generate. And then you identify with them and name them and feel like they're you and you think you thought it, but really it yeah. was just an emergent thought. So you're even in your daily life, when you're consumed with the stories and things and the autopilot, you could call it, that's also unconscious in a sense too. And if you can dissolve the ego all the way down to where you realize and and become truly present, then you notice the thoughts, then you can choose now, now you're for the first time actually making a choice, but not even until you can break it all down. Do you even get to like be conscious in that sense? That's not I don't know how we think of those definitions, but only when you could really get down to it do you have the volition to change something or until you could notice the thoughts that you're thinking, you didn't generate them in the first place. They just arose. And now what are you going to do with that and be able to notice those? And then what are you going to do now? Now you're kind of awake. And maybe that's getting that enlightenment or whatever. I mean, those terms I don't even begin to want to define, but that makes a little bit of sense to me. Mm. Yeah, that that impulse to to question the thought is such an important one, I think, in the spiritual practice of we have these thoughts that happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like most of us know that thoughts happen in everybody else's, you know, we can look at it and like, I could tell you really easily, yeah, man, thoughts happen. If you had some weird thought, uh, you know, you're driving down the road and you have the thought, drive this car off this bridge. Mm-hmm. That's a thought. You don't have to follow that thought, right? You don't have to believe that thought. You don't have to, it's just a thought. It happened. And we can tell that to other people. If you have thoughts, but then when the thoughts happen in our brains, it's so the ego jumps in and goes, I thought that. So that's probably a really important thought, (laughs) right? And it's, it takes credit for it or guilt for it. Or yeah, however, it's if it's a good thought, it takes credit for it. Right. If it's a bad thought, it has guilt over it. Whatever it, but it thinks, or it, it is the story that thinks, that is the thinking of I thought that thought. It's more that the Rather ego than, claims the credit for the thought that that was already auto generated from from who? Like that's when it gets really weird, though. That's when people get yes. lost. Like, wait, well, who thought it then? <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't me, yeah, exactly. If I'm, am I not the ego? You know, that's the, the it gets weird. exactly. So, but that's what the the ego. What, what is the ego, but that story that connects all those thoughts and memories to, oh, I guess I'm the guy who thinks these thoughts and I'm the guy who has these memories. And but when you look into it too closely at all, you're like, it does fall apart quite quickly, quickly. Cause you're like, well, who's the one who's thinking and how do you, if I could control my thoughts, why can't I j- and just like come up with a thought by myself, by my ego's will, why can't I just come up with a cure for cancer? Or like, why can't I, why can't I just think of, uh, anything, the thoughts, you know, if I go one, two, three, four, now I just created the thoughts and everyone who's listening five, Mm -hmm. right? Why did you think five? Because, because that's what you decided to do. All of us just happened to decide at the same time to think five or that's just what the environment did. Like it created an atmosphere where we all thought the number five. Right. Um, And that thought happened in all of our brains. And there's these egos that like try to put boxes around everything be like, okay, this was here and this, and this is my thought. And this is, um, 
And the ego, I think, in this process for me of letting go of my sense of self, the ego gets really nervous because when it says, when the ego starts seeing thoughts um, that it doesn't want to see, like, well, what if Christianity, as I understand it, is not true? And the ego goes, oh, don't think that thought, dangerous thought that could get you kicked out of your church, that could have your mom get mad at you, whatever it is. Um, and the ego says, danger, danger, danger. I can't be safe if you, if this thought keeps happening and you, and that starts turning into a pattern. Um, so letting go of, Oh, that's just a thought observing it, not judging it, not grasping onto it can feel scary to people. That non judgment thing can feel scary because then what, what if the body keeps doing that? And the ego likes to has this story that it's the thing that's keeping the body from doing that. It's the thing that's keeping you from going out and murdering or raping or doing all the horrible things that people do. The ego is like, we don't do that because I'm a good boy. I'm mm-hmm. a good Michael Gunger. I'm a really uh, special, special boy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so if I let go, if I let go and don't try to control what could happen and that's terrifying And I remember having, um, there were experiences like letting go felt like, but yeah, but then what, what if I become the worst guy? Yeah. If I don't actually try to control myself anymore, Yeah. because that feeling of self-control, like I was teaching Amelie, that's how I learned how to be a good boy, (laughs) quote unquote, uh, by, by clenching down and, and exercising my will. But what was actually happening in that? is this body and this mind being conditioned and exercising new patterns of being in the world and really didn't have anything to do with an ego. Like an ego doesn't doing any of that stuff. It just took credit for it. And you can see that in brain scans and stuff like your brain will decide to do something before you have the thought, I am going to do this. Like yeah. It already lit up in the brain. They've got right? that four seconds now, that four seconds. Good so Lord. so what they'll do in the lab is take somebody and they'll be sitting there and they'll say, now I want you to decide if it's going to be, it's like some simple choice, like up or down or left or right. And you will make a determination. So when, you, when you've when you made your decision, raise your hand. And then, <laughs> and, that, and that person hits a button when they've identified that I'm deciding I'm going to go with, Left and they hit the left wow. button. Now four, four seconds, seconds before they hit that button, the computer already know what they were going to say every time. Yeah, four seconds that's... before they knew what they were going to do. <laughs> Michael, but, let me. Oh, oh, oh and there's one more. There's two variables in the equation. I'm not going to say it right, but there's two variables in it, and it was like it also could predict if it was going to be left or right or up or down before you did. Like, like not only did it, it just registered it <laughs> that you had made a decision, but it knew which one. Like. Gee. Whether it was this one or that one or this one or that one, it was already pre-done before you knew it and said, I know what I'm, cho- I'm choosing now. Nope. But what I've been, yeah, that's amazing. And it, that's the, it's just shows the ego what it is. It's just this storytelling device in these, in these brains that unite actions and thoughts. It's a blanket that you throw over a bunch of patterns and say, this is one mm-hmm. thing. You say, why did you choose it? You say, Michael well, Gunger. you know, my mom always liked uh, green. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's you know, like you, you make up a story of why you chose what you chose. Yeah. yeah. But the, the, the interesting thing to me is that the irony of letting go and, 
at this point, after the body's been trained to a certain degree to not be a murderer, (laughs) to not be a rapist. Mm -hmm. And then the ego lets go and says, whatever thy will be done, open hands, not trying to control anything. Ironically, I become more loving, more peaceful, less murdery, <laughs> less rapey. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I like the less rapey what, version of you better. By the way. Yeah. What would be? What would be like? Just just a low hanging fruit question to uh, to to kind of take this to a practical level. Like before having gone through this experience of 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 letting go, think about the 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 normal worry that a parent that most parents have when it comes to the potential of losing a child it's always kind of a fear in the back of our heads or for some people they dwell on it they think about it every time yeah. their kid goes somewhere constant 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 for some people but everybody knows don't oh, say some my... people just say Joey Svensson does that no um, <laughs> you do it but, a lot <laughs> but but everybody would say that's that's definitely the worst thing that could happen like how how yeah. do you see that sort of situation differently like in your current headspace than you did a long time ago, like the death of a close loved one yeah. or, or, or just losing something super that, important. That was my question too. It seems like it, when you first came on the show and you were referring back to that year, how do you see pain now? Yeah. I love this Maharaji uh, Ramdas's guru said, I love I love suffering so much. It brings me so close to God. Um, And on my clearer, finer (laughs) thinking moments, that's how I feel about it. Uh, It's, but it, it is, there's still the the natural aversion our bodies have to pain. Um, The work that I do, my spiritual work of constantly, um, opening, letting go, embodying, um, bringing my attention into my body, which is not natural for me as an Enneagram five. I've tended to be the kind of person who's like in my head all the time and often abstract concepts. So my spiritual work over the last couple of years has been embodiment. And, um, as I do that, I've noticed, I mean, I, I, the, my relationship to pain changes like Lisa was laughing at me last week because I dropped something on my toenail and it was excruciating. It just hit like right at the wrong spot, like right mm-hmm. at the base of the a real heavy the thing worst. hit like right at the base of the toenail and just blinding. Ah! But I, I didn't, my body's gotten so used to not clenching down at this point and, and grabbing on to, you know, we have pain and then, we go, Oh no, I'm having yeah. pain. I don't want to have right. pain. Oh no. And it gets worse. And like you grab on it, it turns yes. into this loop no doubt. of suffering. Um, and not doing that actually makes it a very different experience. Like Th- there is still huge. the pain. Um, so Lisa was laughing at me cause I was, I was just, I was just telling her like, wow, it's like blinding sensation in my foot right now. It's so, it hurts so bad. Um, but I wasn't going like, ah! she's like, what, wait, you're actually feeling that much pain. I was like, Oh my gosh, it's just, it's outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you're right about that. The psychological component of pain is, is, is way more than the physical sensation. If you look at like yeah. a dog, like you ever see a dog get hit right in the mouth or face, it goes, Burr! 
and back to what it was doing. Like, yes, this hurts. And it's, but it's yeah. still doing what it's doing. It doesn't go, uh oh, is my jaw broken? Do I do yeah. anything? Am I in trouble? Is this, is it going to, mainly when you feel a pain, it's like, uh oh, is this about to get worse? What can I do to stop it? That's where the yeah, panic comes from. The exactly. panic is very unpleasant, you know? So that's. And I think that's the same with psychologically. So, you know, we had, uh, when sad things happen in our mm-hmm. lives, um, I feel the sadness. I think early on, like when I, when I was talking about the, the baby Christian kind of thing, I, I would feel sadness or some kind of emotion that we would consider negative emotions. And there's part of me that's like, Oh, am I getting in the ego again? Oh, my don't, I don't need to feel sadness. I don't need to feel whatever. And that that's a weird, like backwards way of starting to grasp on again and cling and, and suffer again. Um, rather than just experiencing it, looking at, fully experiencing what's happening. So sadness happens, anger happens. Um, what I've noticed is it passes qu- more quickly. Um, there's not the, the existential suffering or the loop of suffering in it. Like there used to be for me. Um, a sad thing happens and I feel it and I cry. I cry so much more now, um, both of happiness and sadness. Um, Cause I'm just, just letting the body do what it does and not, we get just so clamped down. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that that's what with these Eastern traditions, religions and stuff that I talk about, it's interesting. I don't think it's threatened. I don't think Christians need to be as threatened as they feel about some of these things. Cause it's not even on the same plane. Like Buddhism is not a religion in the way that Christianity is religion. It's not, uh, it doesn't make claims about the divinity of Jesus. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, yeah. uh, it, it doesn't make claims about something. It's, it's more like, um, psychology or, or, or philosophy or it's the nature of suffering. And so you can bring that it's, it's the nature of, of being. And it's, a uh, something that you could take into any beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can be a Christian and practice the, the technologies of Buddhism, the, the psychological and religious. And, yeah. um, and so anyway, I, I just, I don't think that it has to be thought of as the way that, that Christianity I experienced, I'll just speak of my experience. It was an all inclusive package. You know, it's like um, if you buy in, if you're a Christian that informs what you should spend your money on all your beliefs all your, it's the whole thing. It's like the club that you belong to and everything is, is dictated by your faith. And so you see something like Buddhist or Taoist philosophy or whatever. And it seems like, Oh, I'd have to join the other club. So this isn't even a tradition. Let me see if I understand this. If anybody's interested in the way that you're talking, it's not necessary to, study Buddhism or learn its fundamentals? Can you just go straight to like trying to be present? Is that not, and, and just stay in your same church or whatever you do and just focus on that type of meditative thing or, or, or is there some fundamental understanding of this philosophy mm. that's necessary in academic or Well, 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 whatever? Matt, that's a good question. It is a good question. And no, I don't think anything is necessary. Um, what do you, what are you looking for? I think some people, a few people we'll get like the non-dual bug <laughs> where you, you see 
the power of, of that experience of that way of seeing. Um, and you're going to want to keep hearing and hearing and hearing and reading mm-hmm. and reading and studying and studying. And if that's the case, you, there's, you're going to come across You'll figure Ramana it out. Maharshi. You catch the bug. You're going to read Ellen Watts. <laughs> you're going to read, you're going to get into the people who have said it the best. Like you're going to get it more into these traditions. Cause that the non-dual stuff, there's not a whole lot of Christian thinkers um, that say much about it. Richard Rohr is one of the only people that I, Christian writers that I know that really gets into non-duality. To right. Much so what kind of path do you see yourself on doing the kind of stuff that you're doing now? You know, like you have the book. So the book's out now, right? Yeah, it is. Congratulations uh, on thank completing you. a book. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, the book's out. I'm still doing the liturgists. I've got this little side podcast I'm doing. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to be doing musically next. Um, Don't quit doing that podcast. Just keep it simple and deconstruct something and do it. Make people go through some thought experiments using your right. verbal skills. Just do keep doing that. Thank you. All right. That's nice to hear. And and the book is called This, and the podcast is called This What? It's loving loving this. this. Loving This. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but I think the path for the future, I, I, I more embodiment, more. It's funny. Anytime I, I just did a retreat. I just got back from two weeks in Japan, actually. And uh, anytime that I go into try to get some answers, big story answers, like, okay, what's the next big thing for me? The next big project? What's the next, what's the answer for this relationship? But whatever, I try to get answers <laughs> going you go into, to Japan. The, into Yeah. But the answer was always like, be here. Like now this is yeah. <laughs> the next thing. What, what's, what do you want to do right I now? See. And you're yeah, like, you damn it. Like- I just spent airfare to go to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So today it's uh, talking to you guys. That's what's, that's what's going on. <laughs> well, I'll zoom that's, that's, you forward in my vision of the future. At some point, your hair will turn maybe more gray and you'll be wearing yeah. a kimono standing next to a billionaire all day telling him what, how to be present. That's what I <laughs> you go. You, <laughs> that's the vision I see. Michael, oh, I, I'm so actually I'm I'm glad that we we talk to you every now and then. It, I, I like I, I like to think of you as a peer and definitely enjoy. Uh, like I, I'm I'm hooked on. I haven't listened to the podcast yet, but I am a listener starting right now. And I do want to um, offer. I know it sounds a little too casual, but offer condolences to uh, loss of your friend Rachel. Thank you. I, I know everyone is uh, oh. you know still mourning that, but I know that's a personal friend of yours. So we're definitely sorry about that loss, man. Thank you. And, and I wanted to say, too, I, I do think it's uh, one of my favorite things about you is that all this journey, all the shit, all the crazy change in life and everything and, and how like I was listening to uh, Loving This, one of the episodes, and it was you and Lisa. And I was like, man, what? It really did feel like a friendship there. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, I was like, man, this is I was having fun listening to you two talk to each other. And it felt like <laughs> I it kind of almost felt like I shouldn't even be there. Like, man, am I in the house or something like that? But it was, it was, it was really nice. And I, I just appreciate like, I mean, y'all have really been through a lot and, and people, I mean, I don't know just because, I mean, Matt and I have been in the Christian music industry and it would have been a hell of a lot easier to be going to play some, you know, Christian festival this weekend in Wisconsin and with a good paycheck and be just gunger. 
and just and just stay yeah. with like you were talking earlier the brand. Just stay on brand, stay on task. Yeah. Doing a hell of a lot easier. It might even been more finance. Who knows what the finances would look like and all of that yeah. stuff. But you actually, no one can critique you for trying to find truth and uh, trying to you know remain in in love with your wife and and what that looks like and all those things. I just I think that is is impressive to me and also encouraging that y'all can go through all the things you've gone through together and still be you know you doing a podcast she says yeah i'll come on i mean that 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 Mm. simplicity there it it feels kind of grounding for me yes and husband and wives on podcast is my absolute least favorite thing usually (laughs) it's almost always so painful i I didn't listen to that episode i'm gonna go check it out and see if i I loved it it was was just it was goofy and funny and i just really enjoyed it I, i i I enjoyed it because it did feel like it was real. That's yeah. the, that's the thing. Like that's the part. That's I what I'm saying because that, yeah. that's the most time when people do not talk real when they're talking to somebody they know super yeah. intimately and then pretend mm, like they're talking to other people. It gets yeah. wonky so fast it sets my alarms oh. off. It's almost always bad. Sam Harris just put a, po- a podcast out with his wife and the first ten minutes of it were absolutely unbearable to me. Yeah, like it's like <laughs> what are these two people are doing all this crazy. <laughs> It's like this weird theater of non-reality. It's just so bizarre. So yeah, I'm excited to listen to so it. Toby said, no, I didn't feel that good. way at all, though. So, yeah. So. <laughs> good. All right, Michael. Thank you for coming on again, man. The yeah. book is called This. It's out now. Uh, the podcast is, is called Loving This and always the liturgist as well. Uh, we always love having you, man. So come back anytime you want. Thanks, guys. Appreciate good to it. Good to talk to you. Yeah, man. All right. Have you. a good one. All right. You too. Hey, we can we can keep rolling right here, Toby. I wanted to say something about you, you know you were talking about the the bullet points and just how bigger God is than that, and it, it really made me think of how if you say God is bigger than the Bible, <laughs> Christians yeah. say, "Don't you dare talk about the Bible like that." <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> like seriously, I, you you can't even get away with saying, "Is it possible that God is?" is bigger than even the Bible, and people yeah. take offense. People are saying that that's the fourth member of the Trinity. They just said, all right, there's four people in Trinity yeah. in the Bible, too, now. Well, that's the way well speaking, of, uh, speaking of the Trinity, and, and I, I'm working on uh, lyrics for the new Emory record, and uh, it, the the whole new Emory record, we're doing EPs. You can jo- go to Emory, uh, go to emorymusic.com. You can find out about Emory Land, all that stuff, if you haven't heard about it. Uh, you get an EP once once every three months is that right matt mm-hmm. something like that anyway I'm, we're working on the latest ep and uh i was writing a lyric about god and i just used the word they and i was like this will make people a little uncomfortable how, well, how did, did it go they in what in what way i i said what if they don't answer okay, or what yeah. if they don't what if they don't say a word mm-hmm. and but i was thinking when How'd i was writing the when I was writing to the lyrics, I was thinking I was going to say, what if God doesn't answer? Or what if God doesn't say a word? And I was like, yeah, but wait a minute. Everybody talks about the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God and the Trinity and all that stuff. But if you use the word they about God, it starts making people squirm a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, I think but yeah, so. But yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but then you say, but Jesus was God, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Holy Spirit, the Trinity there, we, you know, it's, it's mysterious. But if you use even just the word they... It starts feeling a little uncomfortable, and it start people go, "Wait, hold on, what are you talking about here?" And I was just thinking how even myself, how tied to I am God, and then uh, the Father, I can say that God the Son, I can say that God the Holy Spirit, I can say that. But when I refer to them as they, it feels a little bit different, and especially when I go, uh, "Hallowed be they, their name" or something like that. 
You know what yeah. I mean? If you were to go say something like that, it starts making people, and I'm sure there's tons of theologians that say, well, actually, it's because of this, this, and I understand all that, but I'm just saying, <clears throat> anytime I'm around three people, three individuals, I say they, and so I, it, it's not that far off, but I, I just thought it was interesting that even I felt, I was like, well, is it even worth it? Why am I even writing the word they, or why should I just write God, or whatever? <laughs> and I was like, nah, this is this is what I'm feeling here for a moment. I mean, what... I, what what if the Holy Spirit didn't answer? Or what if, you know, when I pray to Jesus or God or whatever, you know, all of those things. And so just the idea of the things that we're tied to is our Christianity. That's that, even that, that's what y'all were talking about earlier. Like the thoughts you have and all that stuff. Well, I, at least I know these things. So that's what I'm going to react to. I'm uh, my, my brain's already decided and the words are getting ready to come out about what Christianity is as opposed to the, you know, real truth or yeah. something that is Yeah, I really deeper. do. I really do believe the the plunge that people aren't willing to take is just to simply be honest about the questions. That's that's the difference between one Christian to another yeah. is one of them will say, oh, how dare you question that? While the other person is like, I- I'm not saying anything against God. I'm just saying that doesn't make sense anymore. And and that's that's your distinction. I mean, it really yeah. is. Yeah, it's, well, the- it's hard when you get into the real brainy part of it and go, you know, and like some of those just just regular books that we've talked about or read, the Jonathan Haidt book, uh, and the Elephant in the Brain, and the, the shit. I don't remember the names of the books, but Daniel Kahneman's book. We read the System One and Two book, uh, and that kind of stuff. It, it and the research that shows that you your decisions are made ahead of time. Sometimes that kind of stuff will really freak you out because you realize that you're just kind of making up a story. If you really slow down, you'll you'll feel it. You'll go that happened. Okay, time to explain it. That's really most yeah. of your real self is doing just explaining what you already pre knew was going to happen or did happen or what just happened or it's you're mostly just being a lawyer trying to tell yourself what it was or is and take credit for a thing. That, that once you reach that feeling, it becomes squirmy. I think. Well, Matt, invite people to the third part, the third person of the Trinity, a bad Christian, and my quick take. Well, there's three of us. Uh, no, 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 me, no, me, you, and Toby make the first part okay, of the Trinity, that's one. and then and then you have my, Reva, okay. and then you have BC Club. So, so Reva occupies her own space. That's yeah. pretty powerful. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. So the three of us is a micro Trinity <laughs> that feeds into the. the yeah, larger. we're God. We're God of bad Christian Reva. <laughs> Keep, Reeves, keep going. Reva's Jesus and Reva's, the DC Club is the Holy Spirit. Because Reva saved it. We wouldn't have been able to keep it on the rails. Yeah. So she's the saved it. And then the, the BC Club, uh, it, as I always refer to, is it's kind of like our gut bacteria. Like they're, It's the helper. You know, they're the, the help, helper. They've got, they, they're very interconnected with us and affect us very, very much. Uh, and like my microbiome affects me. I care about it. I appreciate it. It does a lot for me. And it's made up of a lot of individuals. And that he, whatever they decide to do down in my intestines, it will have an effect on the rest of me too. And that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's kind of like the Holy Spirit, the gut biome, the BC club. All right. Well, you, yeah. And you, you kind of <laughs> get, you, you gave a little, you gave a little invite at the beginning of the episode. So we want to just give a shout out and a thanks to these people for joining the BC club recently. And that's Jason Bunsoff. Hey, hey, also I wanted oh, to say, oh, I wanted gosh. to say too, all oh. of these BC clubbers, Kind of similar to Michael Gunger, they have different names too, but theirs are just like, unfortunately, they're, they're they didn't the give them from them Ram no, they got them from like soccer people oh, that no. wanted to give them soccer <laughs> names. So go ahead, soccer this guru, is, yeah. Jason Bonshoff. His name's Braden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, his, his enlightened name is Cliff, <laughs> Clifton Haggard. His Kaden. enlightened name is Caden. Oh, Caden. All yes. right, Marshall yep. Norgard. Jaden. 
Antoine Capistrano. Jaden, but with a Y, unfortunately. <laughs> Is this the kid? Thomas Daly. Caden. <laughs> Josh Moser. Uh, Cole. You got to have a Banks in there, right? John- yeah. <laughs> Tyler Crowshar. Banks. Yeah. <laughs> Shane Kirchen. Bryson. Nathan Swan is there's got to be a Jackson in here. Is this Jackson? It is Jackson, in fact. With an X. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, did I just say Nathan Swan? I think so. Yeah. All right. Heather Ledua. Rylan. <laughs> All right. Kalen Pitt. Kalen Trevor. needs to stay Kalen, no? Tre- yeah, I guess so. But I think, her, right. I think she goes with Trevor. Okay, by Trevor I'll pause now. there and say you, you'd have to just spell Kalen different. Or maybe change yeah. one letter in it. And I'm yep. going to tell you the most, the dumbest name change of all time. Now, in a similar vein, pause for this joke real quick. In a okay. similar vein, you have uh, Lou Alcinder. That was his name. Yeah. And he yeah. had yeah. a religious transformation and he changed his name to what? Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Kareem yeah. Abdul Jabbar. There was a guy named How about Cassius, Cassius Clay. Clay. Now, he underwent a big name transformation because he had a spiritual experience. He changed his whole right. life. So he changed his whole name. What did he change it to? Muhammad Ali. Okay, and then there was once a basketball player. Now, his name was Hakeem Olajuwon, and he had a (laughs) massive spiritual change, this man did, and he needed a new name to signify the new person that he was, and what did he change it to? Akeem Olajuwon. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about Wussiest name change of all time. His name was Hakeem Olajuwon. In the tradition of Cassius Clay became Muhammad Ali. He goes with, I totally forgot that. Hakeem Olajuwon. I've got it. New man. Hey, the last name, it'll have to be somewhat of a mystery. I don't know if Reva was just typing fast and she just kind of typed in something accidentally, but the last name, we're just going to go with it, is F-G-F-G-F. Probably so if typo. that is a person, we want to definitely. And we all know that's Thank Blake. Is what now? <laughs> we all know that's Blake. Big upgrade for FGFGFF to Blake. I like it. Yeah. All right, folks. Another good episode in the books. We'll see y'all later. Thanks for saying that. It was good. I really do believe that. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome.